Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now remember last week, we didn't get to finish our study. So tonight, we're going to continue picking up our study in verse 6. But before we do, let me quickly remind you what we talked about, okay? Let's go back. You go, Ben, why do you always remind us? Because it's funny, when, whenever you're sitting in a lecture or a sermon or whatever it might be, it's funny, statistics say that you only remember 10% of what you were taught. And so that's just us. And, and um, for me, it's even worse because sometimes I don't remember somebody I just got introduced to, like... Somebody was asking me what time was the what? I'm like, the what? He's like, what, what is this on Saturday? And I'm like, what is what on Saturday? And so I just did the announcements. So we always need to go back and we need to figure out, okay, what did we talk about last week? If you remember, we, we, there, there are three things that we must employ when something is broken or when we feel like we're stuck in the mud. You know what I mean? When life just seems, you ever have that feeling? For me, it's normally a dream. You ever have a dream when you can't run? You know, you've got to take off running and there's nothing happening. Or you're trying to dial a phone and, not, and you can't get the numbers. That is so frustrating. You're like, I had a dream and I was like trying to dial 911 and, and I couldn't. And, and, and this is how people feel sometimes in, in spiritual. We, we feel like we're in the mud and you go, well, what should we do? Well, number one, what we talked about is that in those times, guys, we have to praise the Lord. We have to praise the Lord, thanking him for his amazing deliverance. And, and that's key. Well, what does that mean? Well, in our homes, we should have prayer music. We should have praise music going on. We should be listening to this. This should be something that we're praising the Lord for, especially in those times that we're stuck in the mud, especially when we feel like life is broken, especially when we feel like everything. Now, I got to be honest with you. Those aren't the times I praise the Lord. Those are the times I complain. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? Those are the times we complain. We're like... Well, this isn't going good, and this isn't going bad, and this is happening. Oh, God, why am I... Blah, 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 blah. And he says, no, 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 here's what David says. David says, you need to praise the Lord. Well, we, we looked at that last week. But the second thing he says, he says, we must give to the Lord. Give what? In those times of stress, those times of trials, the times when we feel like that, dedication to him is key. Dedication to him is key. Here's why. We have a tendency to run from problems. We have a tendency to run from stress. We have a tendency, I don't want it, I'm out. And we have to be dedicated to the Lord. This is what he's saying. This is what David is going to teach us. And third, he says, this is what you do. Times of stress. Things are out of chaos. Things are out of control. He says, we need to trust the Lord. How so? Asking him for personal forgiveness and restoration. This isn't key. This is important. Okay? This is how church should be designed. Church should be designed that we come in and we, hey, how are you? God bless you. And we come in here and we prepare our hearts. And when the music is that we open up our heart a little bit and we allow the Lord to, again, here's that word. You ready? Convict us. Convict us. Okay? And we go, oh, 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 okay. And so we confess that, Lord, I'm sorry for my attitude today. Lord, I'm sorry for this. Lord, I'm sorry. And then, and then we get clean with him and, 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 and we allow that. And we allow that. And we say, God, I, I pray for forgiveness and I pray for restoration. God didn't call you to be a Christian to sit on the bench. He called you to get in the game. But the only way to get in the game, again, is think about it. We must praise him in those times. We must give to him, uh, trusting him. And, then, and, and this is what he talked about. And, and so last week, here's how we jumped in. We talked in about praising the Lord in the middle of being stuck or when we feel like life is broken. But remember this, prayer and praise go hand in hand. You go, we need to praise the Lord. But see, part of, part of you praying to the Lord, Lord, in those times that you feel stuck, in those times that, that life is just stressful, your boss is just being awful or ugly or whatever it might be, we praise, but we pray. We praise, but we pray. And that's key. That's key. Think about it. Prayer and praise go hand in hand. Well, David, and I love coming with David because David talked about the pits of life. And he didn't have an easy life. He didn't have an, he was often faced with the same things we face each day. But I gotta be honest with you. When we feel blessed, we really are blessed. 
We're blessed beyond measure. Think about this for just a moment. At, at, at a turn of a handle, you can get hot water. You're blessed. You can go, you can go to the grocery store and actually purchase something you want to eat. We're really blessed. You understand that. You know, we're really, really blessed. David, I mean, David's like, okay, I'm in a cave. I guess I'll take a shower. I can't take a shower. I don't know. David, I love the fact that he faced the same things we face today. He faced those same things each day. But David was, well, David knew about the pits of life, didn't he? He knew about the pits. He didn't have an easy life. Now think about this. Well, what did David face? Well, I bet he faced the same thing we did. You go, what's that? Well, we talked about the pit of anger. Do you remember that last week? The pit of anger. Like, what happens, church, honestly, if you're angry and you don't want to be angry, but you're really angry, and you just can't seem to get back in the place you were before, before you fell into the pit? The enemy is really good at allowing us to be angry. Well, you should be angry. Well, you should. And, and we fall into that pit of anger. The pit of anger. Number two, David understands the pit of discouragement. And I know that there are a lot of men, specifically men, somehow, are angry men. How do I know this? Well, in our men's study, we talked about this. Hey, how many of us, and we just get angry. We get angry for, it's just in us. And I don't know if we just didn't have a connection growing up or whatever it might be. We've all lived difficult lives, but we're angry. But a lot of us are in the pit of discouragement. We're discouraged with life. And you go, well, what happens? Like what? Like, what do you do when you get discouraged? What do you do? You know deep down, honestly, that you shouldn't be discouraged. As a matter of fact, you know realistically that you are super blessed like we talked about, and yet there are times when you still feel discouraged. Can I get a witness? You're like, I don't understand. You look at your life, and it's like everything, and you're like, wow, but, but inside you're still you're still discouraged. It's, it's, it's not hard. You go, well, get out. Just, no, 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 no. No, no. It's those times. You see, guys, listen to me, church. We're all running a race. And what God designed us to do is to lift and encourage because a lot of us are discouraged. We need to lift each other's arms up. You know what it's like when somebody texts you an encouraging message and, and it, it makes all your whole day, doesn't it? That's the courage we need. And this is what David knows. David goes, I know the pit. And so it's important, guys, even when we're in the pit of discouragement. I, 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 should, I shouldn't do this. I'm, I don't know why I'm just... But then somebody comes alongside and encourages you. Hey, hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, wonderful message. Hey, great worship. Hey, way to go. Encourage. Can we be honest in church? When we have so much negative, it's hard to encourage because then we, the negative comes out. And the negative comes out. When we, when we don't read our Bibles and we watch the news constantly and we listen to what's going on in the world, most of the time we're now what? We're, 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 we're a passer of discouragement. Hey, yeah, I understand. Yeah, well, I can't believe that. Yeah. Wow. Sorry for you, man. No, I, yeah, no, I understand. And, and again, that's what happens to us. There's enough discouragement. How in the world, church, could we be an encourager? How can we be an encourager? Well, we need to see people like Jesus sees them. We need to see them. We have to see them how Jesus sees them, because if we see them just like today, we're not there yet. We're all in process. You understand that? It's called progressive sanctification. We're all still growing. Listen, you know what that song, He's Still Working on Me? To make me how I, this is how, he's still working on us. You understand that. But it's important to allow the Lord to work on us. 
to grow us because we're in the pit of discouragement. Well, maybe David might have understood this. Maybe you understand this. It's the pit of bad. It's the pit of a bad attitude. Ever have a bad attitude? No, none of you ever have a bad attitude. No. Someone said all the time. I won't mention any names. Just the initials. Just kidding. The pit of bad attitudes. Isn't that amazing how you can have a great attitude and the moment you step into work, it could be a bad attitude. Or vice versa. And you're like, you should be happy, encouraged. Life is good. But the truth is, today you have a bad attitude because you want what you want and no amount of trying is going to make the difference. For some of us, men, it's called UMS. Do you know what UMS is? Ugly mood syndrome. That's what we have. Came home. <laughs> ugly mood syndrome. Why are you in ugly mood? I don't know. I just am. Guys, if we're being honest, when we fall into the pit, the last thing we think about is praising the Lord. Yet we learned last week we must do so even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't feel like it. Now, just a quick reminder. Psalm 40, if you recall, is a twofold story. Okay, it's twofold. You go, well, well what do you mean? Well, first of all, it's about David's life. We see that, okay? David was a man of God who struggled with discouragement. He probably struggled with anger. I'm sure he had a bad attitude at times, and he wrote this text amid great difficulties. You understand that, okay? The good thing was, not only did the Lord deliver him out of his discouragement, but he also used the resulting change in David's heart as a good example for you and I to learn from. That's the key to the Word of God. The key to the Word of God is that we apply what we learn, okay? Now, I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand times more. It's important to read the Word of God, but it's more important to let the Word of God read you. Okay? Lord, where am I? Okay, where am I? That's David's, that's the first part. The second part of Psalm 40 is a song about the pits. It falls in two sections. Okay, the first half from verses 1 to 10, David tells how God got him out of one pit, and he sings... God's praise in doing so. Lord, you are good. You are good. But the thing about it is that that would be great if Psalm 40 ended in, ended in verse 10, but it doesn't because the second part of that is he doesn't live happily ever after. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you go from one pit, you get out, you praise God, and somehow you fall in another pit. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is David. And so the second half of the pit, he's, he's crying out to the Lord to deliver in him. Okay, let me just start to, if you're taking note, Jonathan, this is just called real life. This is called real life. Here's why. Listen to me. You ready? The closer you get to Jesus, the harder your life is going to become. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the harder life is going to become. It's going to become this way, um, maybe through our government, maybe through local officials. I don't know how, but I know the closer to the return of the Lord, Satan and his demons have nothing to lose. What God has been trying to tell us all along, church, is that we need to have that firm foundation so that we're able to withstand what's about to happen. Well, I don't think you should be telling us that, Pastor. I think this should be just a encouraging. No, but no, I, I need to warn you. I need to warn you because here's the thing. The closer you walk to Jesus, the harder life is. You go, how so? Twofold, twofold, you ready? The closer you walk to Jesus, the harder life is. Twofold, what do you mean? Well, first and foremost, um, you have attacks that come in. You have spiritual attacks that will come in, and they'll come in from out of nowhere. You guys with me? You go, amen, okay. But the second fold of that, of walking closer to Jesus, is you realize, I'm not as holy as I thought I was. Because as I walk closer to the Lord, he begins to reveal a lot of the stuff in my own heart that I have to deal with. You understand that. And the closer we walk to Jesus, we should walk even deeper in humility because that's who we are. 
How can I minister to Sally? Because I'm walking closer to Jesus and, and I see how I can, okay, this is how I minister. And we have to be so careful that we don't get prideful. Well, let me tell you how you do it. You just read the Bible five times a week and you just do it. Just do it. Just do it. There's no formula. There's no formula. Hey, do this, do this. And it's just, hey, hey, it's okay. Just keep going. Just keep going. One of the things we're going to learn on Sunday is it's so interesting because the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he, you guys know the story for the most part. He says, he says, what do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know, you guys, I can't give you the whole story because then you won't come on Sunday. You go, hey, I got it on Wednesday. But he turns the Ten Commandments upside down. Which the first commandment is to what? To love the Lord your God, right? Not have any other, God, to, to love God first. And that's what he's encouraging us to do, is to love God first. Love God. Walk in humility. Draw close to Him. And you'll see. And that's what David is going to teach us. Okay? It's not, happy, it's not happily ever after. It's like, Lord, I got out of this one. I'm going to keep walking with you. I'm going to keep walking with you. So, let's read verses 1 through 5 real quick. And then, because um, we covered it last week, but we'll just get it as a run and go. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear, and I will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes his heart trust and does not respect the proud, nor such turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order if I would declare and speak of them they are more than can be numbered and we talked all about that last week we talked all about that last week think about what David is doing I want you for just a half second to think if you were in the worst of the worst of the pits tonight would this be in your journal? Or would it be a little bit different? Come on, church. If you're in the worst of the worst, you had a big fight with your husband, you burned the meal, <laughs> the dog doesn't want to come to you, you got fired from your job, all of this happened in one night. What, what would your, I mean, those, those are nothing compared to what David is, but would you, would you praise the Lord? I think, for me, I think mine would look a little bit different. And that's what's so convicting. That's what's so convicting. Because a lot of this stuff doesn't happen, and yet, in my prayer... It sounds like complaining. God, this would be verse 1, right? Pastor Ben, Psalm, verse 1. How long, O oh Lord, are you going to let me suffer like this? You know that wife you gave me, Lord. That was your doing. You need to fix her. And my boss, Lord, he just need to fight. He just, he, right? We, 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 would, we, would, we would pour out complaints. David praises the Lord in the midst of wherever he's at. Notice what he says. And he says, and, and, and Lord, think about this. He says, many, oh Lord, are your wonderful works. He goes, listen, I can't, I can't praise you enough for all of the works that you're doing. I can't praise you enough. And your thoughts towards me? I can't even count them. I can't count. Do you think about, look at that feathers. He, he's thinking about you so much you can't even count them. He goes, oh. And, and, and Michael goes, hey, who's that? Oh, that's feathers. That's feathers. I love her. 
She's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I died for that. Oh, she's great. You understand, that's how he thinks of us. We don't think of ourselves that way. We, 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 we sin. Feathers gets mad at Kevin. That's not God goes, I still love her. She's great. She's great. That's what, that's what he's saying. You understand, this is what he's saying. Then you go, well, Ben, what's the application? That's how he thinks about you. We think differently because we think with the mind of a, of a man. He thinks with, 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 there's no darkness in him. He's just wonderful works. He's going, wow. And I wonder if the angels look down and go, you know, just in awe because, because we're not there yet. But he's, and then, and then when we make strides, they're like, wow. And God goes, yeah, that's my kid. That's my kid. That's, yeah. Yeah. I like what Spurgeon said. He said, this is outrageous love. Think about this. God's thought toward us are wonderful because there's so many that they cannot be recounted. You cannot count God's thoughts of you. One gracious thought is followed by another. Swiftly as the beams of light flash from the sun so that the, it's impossible for us to number them. That's how much he thinks of you. That's how much he thinks of you. That's what we talked about last week. So now it moves on, and now we're going to point two. Give God all he asks. asks. Remember, verses 6 through 10. So David, right now, church, has moved from the pit of the rock, and he goes into the sanctuary of God. All, after all God has done for David... A natural byproduct of seeing God move firsthand is expressing application and appreciation to the Father. How so? Again, he says, he says this in verse uh, 6a. He says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Now, again, what you need to understand in verse 6a is there's nothing wrong with these, okay? There's nothing, there's none of these things are wrong. But for us to give all he asks starts with our heart first. Samuel actually told Saul to obey is better than sacrifice. And so what God is asking us to do is to give God all that he asks. He wants us to give our heart first. And it starts with our heart. And the only thing you can give to God is a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. David, now think about this. David right here went from the miry clay. Everybody got that? Now he's the king. He's the king. He's the new king, guys. He's the king. He's out of the miry clay. And think about that. He's king. There he is. He's the king. He's king. And so he comes up and he says, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire. He said, my ears you have opened, Lord. Speak to me. Burnt offering sins, he says, you didn't require. Now I'm the new king. What do you need? What did God desire instead of sacrifice? Obedience. Obedience. This was true of David's predecessor, Saul. King Saul offered sacrifices just fine. What he didn't do was obey God. Let the scriptures read you. Guys, we're called to be obedience, obedience to the word of God. This is what he's saying. Now, let me give you a nugget of truth. Jesus came and was perfectly obedient, and his obedience is counted unto us. How about that? So your heart, your heart is to go, I'm going to obey. And then we stumble and we don't obey. But I love the fact that we do obey because Jesus lives in us. And I'm going, wow, okay, this is deep. This is heavy. Why? Because, again, Jesus was perfectly obedient. So where do you put your faith and trust? In Jesus. In Jesus. To be obedient. Notice what he says. He says, my ears you have opened. Instead of animal sacrifice, God wants servants 
who will listen to him and surrender to him as a willing slave surrenders to his master. Oftentimes they go, God, God, here's my heart. I open up my heart. Open up your ears. Lord, what do you have to say to me? What do you have to say? What do you have to say? Listen, if you will just take a moment, take a moment, I mean, you can hear God speak volumes. Are you, you guys tracking with me? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, okay? I've used this story, okay? So we live in West Texas. It's windy. Windy all the time, okay? Windy. Every day I'd walk into the church, and right in front of those doors was these little tiny leaves, we don't have a tree. I don't know where the leaves came, but all these leaves, and then they blow inside onto into the church. You guys know what I'm talking about. All right there. So I'd get my handy-dandy blower out. Right, I'd blow it off, and then, okay, so it's good. And then, guess what? I'd go to my office, and I'd go back out. Guess what? Oh, you're kidding. You're kidding. Okay. Then come inside and vacuum the rug. Okay, so, okay, go sit down. Guess what happens? It's like, you're just like, are you kidding me? You go, well, what, 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 how is that with God? Here's what the Lord spoke to me the other, the other, just driving up, okay? So on Saturday, unbeknownst to me, Mike and Joe came, okay, and they cleaned the parking lot. Clean the parking lot full of the, all the leaves. They got rid of all the leaves. I'm just a fighting, I'm just fighting a battle here. They took care of the problem. Wow, no leaves today. That's pretty cool. And the Lord said, that's exactly like sin. You see, there are times in your life when you try to deal with it and you'll blow them away. But until you take care of the problem, they're going to keep blowing back. I was like, well, guess what? There was leaves today. You go, I thought they took care of it. They did take care of the problem, but sometimes they come back. You see, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you theologically. Jesus told Peter, all I need to do is wash your feet because you're already clean. We take care of the problem, the sin problem, through Jesus, leaves are gone. But sometimes they blow back somehow. And your feet get dirty. And you need to blow it just a little bit. But I'm not going to be fighting that. I'm not going to be fighting that because the sin has been taken care of. If we'll listen, if we'll listen, he speaks to us always. And I was just like, wow. How did you get the gospel out of the leaves? Because we heard him. We heard him. We heard him. My ears, you've opened. Okay, tomorrow morning, when you have your quiet time, ask the Lord, Lord, I need to listen to you. I open my ears. We used to sing that song. I'm sure, I'm sure Anthony knows it. I know Talia knows it, but open the eyes of my heart. You remember that years ago? Open the eyes of my heart. Open my ears too, Lord. I, I, I not only want to see you, I need to hear you. I need to hear you. Because he goes on in verse 7 and he says, And then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book, and it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of the righteousness of the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Now, what's he doing? Here's what David is doing. From verses 7 through 10, here's what you want to write down. He now begins to tell the world about Jesus. He now begins to tell the world. 
Okay? Here's what happens. We get saved, and we're sanctified, and a natural thing happens in our heart. We want to share the good news. Can I get an amen? That's really what should happen. Because it happens on a, uh, even on a superficial level, does it not? You go, what do you mean? A non-spiritual level, you want to share good news. I always want to share good news. You go, what do you mean? If you happen to find a sale in a department store or a grocery store, you want to share that news. Oh, guess what? They have a sale over at so-and-so. You need to come get that. That's, that's, oh, yeah. The meat's only there 90 cents. And blah, 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 blah. We, we shared that like, like everything. We call family members right away. We want to share the good news. It's not, it's not spiritual, but we want to do that. Or if you hear good news, if you hear good news, we want to share. Hey, we were praying for so-and-so. We were praying for so-and-so. And, and guess what? He's better now. He's, he's, uh, oh, I got to tell people that was so great. That's really what should be happening in our heart. And, and the thing about it is that we, this is what David does. This is what David does. David says, listen, this is what he says. He says, so I answered. He says, I'm coming. I read your letter that you wrote about me. I'm coming to the party that you're throwing for me. And that's when God's word entered my life and became a very part of my being. That's what he said. I, God, I, I've got to just tell people about you. Pastor Soph, I don't know if this has happened to you. It's happened to me. The older I get in the Lord, the less I share. I used to share all the time. I used to, I was so pumped. I used to, and it's like, oh, okay, well. And, and, and then an opportunity will pass me by and I'll blow it. And I wonder, what happened to me? What happened to me? Well, I've become righteous and dignified. That's why I just don't. I just, I just, it doesn't have to be weird. I just need to tell people about the Lord. I just need to have to tell. I just need to tell. I just need to love people. You see, that's the whole point. What's, what, what is Calvary all about? We love God and we love people. Why do we love people, Craig? Because God loves people and we're a reflection of Him. And so we love them. We love them. Now, we love the lost. Can I get an amen? But we also love each other. Because part of that is encouraging. Encouraging each other. Encouraging each other. Peter, Peter in Matthew chapter 19, later on in the text, we won't hit it this Sunday, so you have to come back the next Sunday. He asked the Lord, he says, Lord, Lord, we gave up everything to follow you. We, we lost it. And, and it was true. Some actually believe that Paul's wife actually left him when he became a Christian. Because Paul was part of the Sanhedrin, and you had to be married to be part of the Sanhedrin. And that's why he writes later on, you guys remember? That's why he writes later on, if the unbelieving wife wants to leave, let her depart. Twenty eighteen years ago, 18, 17 and a half, you left everything. You left, I left every, I left family, I left friends, I left everything to come here. But look what God has done. He's given me more family. He's given us more family. And so again, I think about that and I think, oh yes, I've got to tell people. So, so I've got to tell the lost, but I've got to encourage my family. I've got to encourage my family. I'm encouraged by you. I'm encouraged by you. So I have some homework for you. Would you do me a favor? Would you text somebody this week and just encourage them? Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Lord, who, who do I just need to encourage? Maybe you haven't spoken a week. Maybe you haven't spoken two weeks or months or whatever. Just ask the Lord. Lord, who, who do I just need to send a, a, hey, thinking of you, praying for you, whatever it might be. Just do that. You go, well, it's no fun if you tell us to do it. I get that, but it's just a homework. It's just homework. Because how cool would it be if you're encouraged? If you're encouraged. So David says, I gotta tell the world about Jesus. Look at verse nine. He says, I've preached to you the whole congregation. I've kept nothing back, God. I preached you to the whole congregation. I preached 
you. I didn't keep the news of your ways a secret. I didn't keep it to myself. I told it all. How dependable are you? How thorough? I didn't hold back any pieces of love and truth for myself alone. I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. Now, this is a different translation, but I wanted you to see because we have it up here. We have it up here. Think about this. One of the most amazing things that happens, now listen to me, church. When the Lord delivers you out of a pit, can I get an amen? Come on, give me a good one. Then we should be telling everybody about that. See, David's going to go into another pit, but right now, he's got to tell people about you. He's got to tell. He's got to tell. He's got to tell. He's got to tell. When God heals you from cancer, I've got to tell somebody. When God heals you from lupus, he's got, got to tell somebody. When God heals your marriage, oh, you, we, were, we were on the rocks. Yeah, but you know what? God, God restored us. God restored us. When God heals your, your emotional well-being, when, he, when, 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 when there was damage because of, because of a childhood trauma or whatever it might be, and he heals you and he takes your heart and he, and he caresses it and he makes it beautiful again, we've got to tell people about that. We've got to tell people about that. I understand Listen, I understand the difference between a wound and a scar. A wound hurts, and you don't want anybody to touch it, but when it's a scar, then you go, look what God did. He healed me. He healed me. Here's that scar. And usually it's in our heart. Well, here's that scar, but he, but he can do it. Now, why did he heal you? Because he knows that you're going to speak. He knows you're going to share because there's other people in your life that he needs to see that God, he's still a God of healing, a God of love, and a God of mercy, and a God of grace. Oftentimes you'll hear about people who will have a near-death experience or they'll say, I was on the table and I actually died or so forth. And, and, and we're intrigued by those. We'll watch those YouTube videos like, whoa, wow, what did you see? Well, I saw a bright light and, and God said it wasn't your time and I came back. I think that, that those people should be shouting it from the rooftops. You know, we have a book, 23 Minutes in Hell, or, or whatever it might be. And I'm going, listen, if you really face that, you would, this, this should be your life mission. Nobody goes to hell. It was the founder, William Booth, who, who, who prayed. He prayed for his pastors. God, let him see the fires of hell for just a minute, Salvation Army. He says, let him see that so they can be fired up to tell people about Jesus. If we saw the fires of hell for any length, a dream or however it might be, we should come up going. And we don't need that because we have his love. We have his love. I don't want to scare anybody into heaven. I will if I need to. But, I, but the Bible tells me it's your kindness that leads me to repentance. So I want to tell him about how much he loves you, how much you're accepted, how much you belong. How, he's, how he thinks about you all the time. And they're good thoughts. And he can't wait. He can't wait. And so when we fall in our pit, church, listen. When we fall in the pit, we praise the Lord. And then we give God a completely surrendered heart in obedience. And like David, we're enthusiastic about telling others what the Lord has done for us. Now, here's the one thing. We're really good at sharing big victories, but remember, share the small victories too. Share the small things. What a great victory. Now, let's chat for just a moment, okay? One of life's hardest things to do is to tell others about Jesus. When you are confused or you have a misunderstanding of who he is and what he's all about. You go, what do you mean? For example, if we were to read Psalm 97, 98, 99, and 100, they all point to a God who is so powerful and mighty. Let me just give you the first verse. Psalm 98, 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his only arm have gained him the victory. Psalm 99, 1 says, The Lord reigns. 
Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. Psalm 100, 1 and 2. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now you go, Ben, what's the point? Well, God is powerful and amazing. He's amazing. And then I hear about a man who walked away from God because God didn't answer him in a way that he thought. And so when this happens, people leave God because they don't understand who he is or how he really works. And that's where trust comes in. No matter what's going on in your life tonight, we must trust and obey joyfully. We must trust him. It's so, so careful. So many people have walked away from God because they don't know my Jesus. They don't know him. And it breaks my heart. Because I know him. There's two things I know. I know me. And I know him. And I know he still loves me. And if anyone should have, should have gone off the deep end years ago without the Lord, it would have been me. So we give God a complete surrender. And third, jot this down. We trust God for all that remains. Look at verse 11 through 17. What do you mean? Well, when the worship service ended, guess what? David goes back to being king and all the problems of the kingdom. He discovered that there were new battles to fight and fresh problems to solve. So he returned to the Lord for help. You understand, okay? Psalm 40, he says, I'm in the clay, I'm in the pit, help me, Lord. And the Lord says, come on, Dave, I got you. And now he's king and he's like, praise God, yes, yes, God is good. And then, and then service is over and now he's, oh, Lord, I still have to deal with the people. I still have people. I still have to deal with the people. They got problems. And so this is what he says. Look at verse 11. He says, Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord, for your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. Can you imagine? They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Wow, in just what? Look at that, two verses. David's like, oh. um, Lord, <laughs> oh my goodness, Lord, please. He says, the moment church is over, he opens his emails, there's a bunch of evil. You know what I'm saying? This is what he's saying. He's going, oh my goodness, innumerable evils has surrounded me. He says, my over, he says, my, my iniquities have overtaken me. He says that I can't even look up. And he said, I've got so many problems. They're more than the hairs of my head. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Mike, you're all right though. You're okay there. You're good. But he's saying, And then verse 13, he says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste to help me. Despite his many iniquities, guess what? David could and he did rely on the Lord for deliverance again. He skillfully phrased his request. Not only asking God to deliver him, but asking God to take pleasure in his deliverance. God, save me. Help me once again. He could ask boldly because he believed it to be consistent with God's pleasure. God, please. Please. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Do you guys see the theme here? Do you see the theme? Okay. David cries out. There's a moment of greatness, and he's, he's on the throne, and then stuff happens again, and he cries out. And I think that's really us every day. Every day, Lord, thank you for blessing me. I'm just going to 
I'm just going to keep moving forward. And I pray that your iniquities aren't like like your hair, more than your hair. I pray that they're not. I pray that your troubles are not. But he does say this, Lord, not only am I crying out for deliverance, but be pleased in delivering me. Be pleased. Verse 14, let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Think about what David's saying. This is, this was the help that David sought. And God here, guys, graciously delivered him. But the threat remained. The threat remained. Can I encourage you to do something? I think it's so important. Would you keep a spiritual journal? You go, why? Because you can look back. David has a spiritual journal because he's in the midst of struggle again. He's, in, he's, he's being pulled into a pit, but he remembers verses 1 to 3. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I remember when God delivered me from this. I remember when I was in a pit over here. I remember. So maybe you're not in a pit of anger today, or maybe you're not in a pit of a bad mood or or discouragement, but maybe you're falling into a little pit of depression, and you need to remember how God pulled you out of that and set your feet on the rock. But a spiritual journal, you you can write what God is doing in your life. You can write how he's moved in your heart, how he's pulled you, how he's guided you, how you listen. God, today you spoke to me this way. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this is what David did. David goes, listen, the threat remains. This is, and I don't know what's going on with David, but apparently this is heavy. Because he says this, he says, let them be ashamed. Look, listen, let them find mutual confusion who see, there's still people after me. Uh, Let them be driven backward because those who wish me evil. You got to understand, David is king. People wanted him dead. People wanted to attack him. He had all kinds of stuff happening. He says, the threat is still there, Lord, but I remember. I remember how you delivered me. I remember. The devil comes to you and he says, you think God's going to do that again? And you know what? With a resounding, you say, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, I don't think so. It doesn't matter what you think. I know he is. I know he is. In verse 16, he says, Let all those who seek you rejoice and and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord is magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you guys see that? You see that at the very end, even though he's in the pit, even though he's, again, he's got problems. And what I love about the word of God is it speaks real to us because there are those of us who have been, we've all had problems in our life. Can I get an amen? And then God has pulled us out and then we go, sometimes we go back and there's other problems in our life and then God has pulled us out and there's other problems and God is, but he's constantly delivering us. If we'll stay true and trust him. If we'll stay true and trust him. We, as humans, tend to forget pretty easily. We forget. And the Lord says, hey, I want to remind you. I want to remind you. Remember where I delivered you? Remember I pulled you out? Remember how I healed you? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay, so there, so there might be a time that you're going to be in the, in, the, in the pit again. I don't know what pit it might be, but it might be a pit. And you say, God, you delivered me. You delivered me. Melanie was talking earlier today about a situation to where God was glorified. 
It could have turned out a whole different way, but God was glorified. Melanie, that's something that needs to be written so you remember those other times. You go, oh yeah, I got to go back. I got to go back. I got to see that. I got to go back. Guys, you can go back in your prayer journals and you can see how God has just delivered you. He delivered you financially out of debt. He's worked mightily in your marriage. He's worked mightily in your heart with family members, with friends. And you can go back and say, thank you, Lord. So as we close, listen. To get out of the pit tonight, we must be willing to do what we don't feel like doing. So many times than not, I don't want to praise the Lord when I'm in the pit. And much less give and trust. But we must be willing to do what we don't feel like doing. As, as the worship team comes and plays the last song, would you do me a favor? Would you just praise the Lord? Wherever you're doing, praise him for all he's done. All he's done. Surrender your heart in obedience and trust God for the tomorrow he brings. Amen? Father, tonight, as we finish this psalm, I'm just so encouraged, God. But Lord, here's what I want to do. We have just a few minutes. Can we praise you, Lord? We may not be in the midst of a, of a pit, but maybe we are. And so, Lord, we just want to take a minute and just praise you and praise you and praise you and tell you we love you and thank you, God. You've blessed us at C.C. Lubbock. You've blessed us as a family. You've blessed every single person here, Lord. And so what we want to do is praise you. Would you do that with me, church, as the worship team leads us? Would you just praise the Lord, however you want to do it? Some of you might, might need to kneel in the altar. Some of you might just need to stand. Some of you might lift their hands, whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you right now, even if you don't feel like doing it, even if today's been an awful day, do it. Do it. Watch what God will do. He'll cleanse and purify your heart. Let's worship. Let's praise. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.